want to acknowledge my wife, uh, Dinah, who's here, and my brother-in-law, Tony, who's here. Thank you all for coming. January heralds a brand new year. January supposedly takes its name from Janus, the Roman god of beginnings and limits and departures and transitions. And as you can see in the uh, projected image, Janus had two faces. Suppose we could say he was two-faced. And with the old bearded face, he looked over the past, and with a younger face, he peered into the future. Janus became the ancient symbol for making resolutions, and with good reason. Resolutions often derive from looking back over the past year to review our successes and our weaknesses and perceived failures. And once we have done this, we look forward to the year ahead and consider how we might overcome those flaws or achieve some new goal. And these envisioned improvements then become our resolutions. And through them, we hope to improve our lives in some important way. However, I should tell you that some consider resolutions, wasted and futile efforts. And it's because so few people persist in the resolutions that they make. In fact, after the first week, 25% have already given up. And by the end of the second week, the figure is close to 30%. And by February, nearly half have failed and given up. I hope you are not one of those statistics. No wonder Oscar Wilde held such a dim view of resolutions. In the picture of Dorian Gray, he placed the following words on the lips of Lord Henry Wotton. Good resolutions are useless attempts to interfere with scientific laws. Their origin is pure vanity. Their result is absolutely nil. And they give us now and then some of those luxurious, sterile emotions that have a certain charm for the weak. They are simply checks that men draw on a bank where they have no account. Now, if you are in the habit of making resolutions, remember that this dim view comes from Oscar Wilde and not me. Nevertheless, I would suggest that the worthiness of a resolution likely depends on the perceived goal. In the scripture we heard read, Paul seems to be making a resolution, and this one is lifelong and of infinite worth. And true to the spirit of Janus, Paul's resolution involves a look at the past and a peering towards the future. In verse 13, Paul spoke about forgetting things, forgetting things that are past. But he clearly hasn't forgotten these things in the conventional sense of the word. In fact, he is keenly aware of his past life 
and he chronicles the many realities in which he once took pride and which he believed commended him to God. After all, he was a privileged Jew with an exemplary pedigree. In his own words, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he exemplified ritualistic and ceremonial conformity to Jewish regulations. He was a Pharisee who exhibited strict adherence to the law, leading in his own mind to a supposed faultless righteousness. And he was also jealous for the Jewish faith, and this drove him to seek to destroy anything that rivaled or corrupted its faith. And now Paul had come to see these things for what they really were. In the kingdom of God, these things count for nothing. For this reason, the things in which he formerly exalted, he now disparages, even counting them so much garbage. Paul's radical change of values and his new perspective on his religion strikes me a lot like Wesley's statement about the righteousness of a Pharisee. In the Sermon on the Mount Discourse 4, 4 Wesley equated uh, uh, the religion of a Pharisee with doing no harm, doing good, and attending the ordinances of God. But he suggested that it was a religion purely based on externals. And furthermore, it avails nothing. None of its activities are valuable unless they spring from internal dispositions of the heart. Things like poverty of spirit and mourning and meekness and hungering and thirsting after righteousness and the love of our neighbor and purity of heart. Without those things, none of the things that we do, none of the things to which we lay claim matter. And Paul demonstrates a very similar view. Mere external righteousness is nothing without a right heart. But looking at this list of characteristics in which Paul formerly exalted, led me to wonder about the things that we might, in which we might place our confidence. Maybe some of us think and place a rather shaky confidence in having left everything to follow God's call. Surely we believe this should count for something. It doesn't. And we may even place great value on the things we do for God. And in the process of doing, we might fail to engage the disciplines that enhance our relationship with Christ and which transforms us into his image. In short, Placing confidence in pedigree or accomplishments for God do not matter unless they spring from a heart that is totally given over to him. So what then is a resolution worth pursuing? Paul's goal-driven statement comes in verse 13 through 14 where he talks about forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And here... The prize is clearly visible. And like an athlete in a race, Paul fixed his eyes on the prize and ran with all the strength and determination he could muster. Heaven is in view, but there is something so much more. 
In reality, I believe that verses 13 and 14 seems like a sort of summary. The sum total of all his previous statements point to Christ. The goal is to win Christ, to gain Christ, to know him in all of his resurrection power and suffering. Knowing Christ in his resurrection means that his resurrection power must so infuse our lives that we live as brand new creatures. Paul talks about something very similar in Colossians chapter 3 where he says that as risen saints that we have to arise to a whole new holy way of living. To know him in his sufferings is to be willing to follow his will at all costs, even if we suffer in the process. Furthermore, to know him goes beyond mere held knowledge. It involves the intimate kind of knowing, the most intimate kind. Christ is like the precious pearl of matchless price. And when we find him, if we are wise, we are willing to sell all that we hold dear to gain him. This is the kind of lifelong resolution that is truly worth pursuing. It involves seeking full Christian maturity in Christ. And this is the kind of resolution that we should pursue with a singular vision. It is a resolution worth pursuing each day, every day, and for the rest of our lives. May God make it so. Amen.